Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Today we're really delighted to have our friend from the world of Instagram, but in real life too, um, Kate. Uh, you might know her as Mentality Managed or one half of the Sober Millennials. So um, we've known Kate for quite a while now. I was trying to think back when we first met, but I believe it was our first Sober meetup. But we'll have to try and uh, put together how we met before that. I don't quite remember. But at the end of the day, uh, we'd had this wonderful brunch with lots of um inspirational sober people and then everyone kind of filtered off and in the end it was just Kate Kate and I uh, <laughs> and we had a lovely time we stayed for a good probably about three more hours just chatting yeah, and had a pudding eating, yeah eating cake um so we're really delighted uh, for her to come on and share her story so hi um always at the beginning we start by sort of checking in saying hi so hi Kate and Kate this is gonna get confusing isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, hi, young Kate, we'll call you. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah. Hello, you're right. You good today? How's yeah. things? Yeah, good. It's been a very like, nice morning. Bright morning. Gone for a walk. It's been very nice. Yeah. Um, makes all the difference, doesn't it? It's like this weather suddenly. Yeah, honestly, I feel like my mood's completely changed. Yeah. Like, as soon as the sun's out, even though it's a bit cold, it's still sunshine. Mm. I'm just walking around like, yes, on top of the world, ready for a new day. Yeah, no, Nothing it makes such me. a difference, doesn't it? It's like, and, and I even noticed with the kids yesterday, we were, they were still playing out and it was like, you know, sort of seven or something. It was still just yeah. about light and we had tea and it was still light. And I, I sort of did a pizza and some like nibbles and it was like, yeah. oh, okay, I remember this. It all just yeah. feels a bit lighter, a bit less heavy. I was like, thank yeah, God you're for back that. to reality almost as well. Mm, yes. After the I'm... dark, weird winter sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, this winter was brutal. Very cold or something. Mm. Good. We've had the weather chat. Yes. <laughs> Done our British weather chat and we're ready. <laughs> All right. So we always start by um if you could just tell us a little bit about how your journey into sobriety started. Okay. Yes, yeah, sure. Um so when I was twenty-six, no, back when I was twenty-four, I was partying quite hard. I'd always party quite hard, like as anyone else would, like my age. Um, and I was going, I was just like leading my life kind of early twenties, sort of got my like first office job or my second office job. And I was just going to work, doing my nine to five and then partying on the weekend and doing that pretty much every week. Um, and then it would like sort of with the office life, I think, especially like it would weed into the, like during the week. So it'd be like Thursday, then Friday, then Saturday, and then you recover on Sunday and then Monday would come back around, and then by Wednesday you'd be back on it almost. Um, so my life had always kind of been like that for a bit in my early 20s, and um, prior to that I had suffered quite badly with my mental health. So I was, I think I've always, I've always suffered with it. Um, I just didn't, wasn't really aware of it. And then I think 
I started to really get like panic attacks. It was just after uni, I started to really suffer panic attacks and anxiety in general. Like it was really like, it was something I couldn't ignore kind of thing. Um, So then I started to look for some help about that. Um, I went to doctors about it. It wasn't particularly helpful, I'll be honest. And I think I've heard this experience from other people as well. They've gone to the doctors a bit desperate and they've kind of been handed a leaflet and then sort of be on your way a little bit. So then I decided, I got really desperate. I ended up moving home. So I thought, right, I'm just going to have to pay for this. I'm just going to have to try and seek out some therapy. And um, all this time, I hadn't had any conversation about my relationship with alcohol. It was just anxiety was very separate to the whole alcohol um, lifestyle that I had. And um, when I had the therapy, I started like learning about my triggers and how, you know, um, what was setting me off and things like coping mechanisms, like, and obviously delving into a bit of my past as well and what things in the past have actually impacted my life today. And then it just, um, it was a lot of like soul searching, a lot of crying, a lot of, lot of crying. Um, but then I just got to a really good place and I was just like, okay, right. I know I've got my toolkit now. I've got, I know what's, what's, you know, setting me off. I know what to do if things set me off go about my life and I was like really good for a long time and then to a point um so that was yes that was around 24 so then that was a weirdly around the same time I started thinking about how alcohol was impacting my life because I started to understand the triggers in my brain and then because I continued my lifestyle my hangovers were just really setting me off at like massively. And I was so much more aware of it because I had the therapy to sort of teach myself about my brain. So yeah, it got to a point that I was like, right, um, this is, I, I just started panicking really. Cause I was just like, right, this was my life. Like I was happy. Well, I thought I was happy at this point. And then I got to, I got to thinking like, Oh God, like, I'm going to have to do something about this. Like I've spent all the, like I've spent a lot of money on therapy. I want I've done this for me. I've tried to sort myself out. And now the one thing that I knew that I thought made me happy is something that's actually making a huge impact on my mental health. And I'm struggling. Like this is actually making a bigger impact than I sort of realized. So I sort of pondered the idea of sobriety for about a year, I think. Um, but nobody was doing it. I didn't know anyone who was doing it. Like I had, I looked on uh, Instagram and at that point, I didn't really see anyone. I think it was a very American thing when I first looked at it. I'm not sure about you guys, but I just didn't see anyone in the UK doing it. Um, and then it got to a point where, like, it was Christmas. Like, I was, like, 26, I think. So and what year was this, just for the timeline? Uh, 26. I was, it was 2016. Okay. So, yeah, between 2014 and 2016, I was thinking about doing it. And then um, by the... Yeah, so by by the time like Christmas was coming around, so I'd say like like from September until Christmas, you could I could start to see the progression of alcohol drinking again and again. The more I was doing it, the more I was like, right, this is it. I have to do something about this. Like this is getting out of hand. And um, it got like during Christmas, I was just like, I'm, I can't wait for dry January. I'd never done dry January before either, and mm. I just was my hangovers were just unbearable. Like I would just be in my room like in a pit and just the anxiety would just be so bad. I'd be so mentally exhausted from voices going, ticking over in my head and, you know, getting the fear and 
just feeling sick. Like I just had like, it like flared up IBS. Like I just didn't eat properly. I was just constantly fatigued. I just, it, life just felt really hard, like to just mm. function my being. Um, and then that's when I started feeling right. I really need to do something. And that's why when the alcohol sort of progressed during Christmas, I was like, this is getting out of hand. Like, I'm actually going to get to a point where I'm going to get myself into a dangerous situation because the depression was so strong as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and then I just I just went for it. I don't know what happened. It was weird because I know how other people have had stories and they do dry January and they've tried it here and there and they've tried and error and everything. But I think because of my personality being quite all or nothing, it was just, it was quite easy for me in some ways. Like I didn't know what I was putting myself into. Like I would, obviously the biggest worry is your friendships and, you know, your lifestyle around it changing. But um, I was so, so, so desperate at that point. And people had been so understanding about my anxiety and me coming to terms with that and like the depression side of it all as well. I just thought, you know, it it might be all right. So Mm. then to January and I just gave it a go and, obviously it was hard like to begin with I'd say it was liberating but about the first three months um it is a transition but I think and you have to obviously deal with people with their judgments obviously people are gonna want to say stuff and put you off because it's a reflection of themselves like it's just insecurities and stuff but I think by like three months in people like really was like okay right this is actually <laughs> doing like <laughs> I was taking you seriously now. So yeah, I just carried on from there. And like my first year of sobriety, absolutely loved it. Like I just could get, I could get things done. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I could function. I got, I was, had so much more energy. I just wanted to do everything and anything and say yes to any opportunity. And my confidence skyrocketed. Like, my anxiety had completely like dipped like it was completely like I still get it but I know how to manage it and I know that I haven't got that cloud over my head that's the end of the world kind of thing um but alcohol plays a huge huge part of like depression and anxiety and I don't think I was ever educated about that growing up and I think with my Instagram page that I'm doing, I, I I think that's the sole message that I want to give out to people because I don't think we're very aware of actually that alcohol is a depressant. And for our generation that are now speaking so openly about anxiety and mental health and everything about it, and we're such a binge drinking culture that there haven't been more conversations about that, like how they those two things might correlate with each other. Um so, yeah, that's kind of like my message at the moment is just being like, you know, trying to make sober, you know, normal and OK. And it's it's another way of living that is possible. Mm. So I never had that before. So, yeah, yeah. there's a guy. I mean, I feel quite quite emotional about this because, um, I mean, I'm so it must have been so visceral and so, you know, obvious in terms of how much it transformed your mental health Mm. you know which is probably that power that that pushed you forward and you know Mm. and and there is a hashtag uh, sober for the health of it and and I love that because it's just like there is all these people you know like me and I guess that's why we we get on so well because we have that common understanding of depression and anxiety and 
you know, and there's so many people within the sober community that have mental health issues and it's like, no one's talking about it. And this, you know, it's, it's a physical change. It's not about, you know, anything else. It's about making people better, making people be able, and even, you know, from a socioeconomic point of view, making people more employable and, and, you know, contribute into society, you know, it's like, Mm. it's not just like yeah it's and the the frustration and the kind of um yeah anger I feel I guess about it not being talked about or being kind Mm. of shoved under the carpet where it's like this is like free medicine you can give to people that are really really struggling um you know when I was um when I used to drink and I too suffer from anxiety and um I used to think so I I mean I drank for decades and I whenever I had a hangover and had that awful awful crippling anxiety Mm. I used to think oh I'm such an anxious person if I could mm. sort out my anxiety, wouldn't yeah. that be good? And I, like you, I never linked it. I just, yeah. no one talked about it. No one linked it. I had no idea. I knew that it was a depressant and I was like, well, I'm not depressed, I'm anxious. Yeah. I didn't realise what, what the actual medical kind of physiological stuff that was happening. So, I th- you know, I think you're, it's, it's so right. And, you know, it's something you talk about as well, Mandy, isn't it? That sort of this rise of the mental health conversation mm. and wellness is allowing us now and the sober conversation and now the links are being made. Yeah, like, slowly. <laughs> mm, in our worlds. Yeah. But we're spreading. So what about, I mean, you know, your your story is amazing, Kate, and, and it really does sound like you you had already started quite a lot of work, I suppose, in a work, mental health work, by the time you came to that decision. Mm. but what what would be your tips for for people starting out if they're coming close to that decision you know what are the biggest things that helped you and what would your tips be um my biggest tip and I think it's probably been the biggest learning curve for me is you don't really need to tell anyone about it I Mm. think um when I first went in I was so like I felt like I just found out the biggest secret of life and I just wanted to tell everyone about it. And the first two weeks I was just like, yeah, I've quit drinking, I've quit drinking. And I did have an incident. I have written about it, like about someone who I ended, we ended up going for dinner and he in, like basically ordered alcohol for the table. And it was like kind of my first challenge really. And, um, I basically, I think I had like a sip of wine or something and I was so annoyed with myself and I was just like, oh God, like, and I, I've let someone pressure me kind of thing because he was really like egging me to drink and whatever. And then the next day he told everyone I had like almost like a bottle or something like that, like, and everyone was kind of like talking about it and I was like, oh my God, like, it's not anyone's business. But then I was the one who told everyone. So I made it people's business. So I think when you're, if you're, obviously it's a new thing and a lot of it is a social kind of, you're going to get an opinion about it. I think the first thing would just, you know, deal with it yourself, learn about you, because it's going to be a massive journey anyway. I think the beginning part is the most vulnerable and fragile part of it all, because you are almost not only looking to 
learn about yourself but you are challenging social norms as well which are very very challenging especially like whatever age you are it's really challenging it's like it's such a big part of your life how people perceive you and you know people's opinions so I think the first thing would definitely just ride that wave on your own like don't feel the need to tell anyone about it I think for me I felt comfortable about three months in I was like right I feel solid now I don't need to worry about keeping it quiet or you know I'm confident enough to talk to people about it and just actually even in a social situation just be like you know I don't drink and I'm okay I'm okay to you know um answer the question because you know people are going to ask why Mm. Um, so I think it's initially just work on yourself and build that confidence within yourself um and I guess if you really are like you know if you need people who uh like say if you're in a social situation and you need you know you don't want to feel like you're on your own dealing with it and you're going through it obviously tell I think you know tell a couple of your friends like Mm -hmm. just so you've got an easy get out and you're not feeling comfortable because you know socializing sober it it is difficult it's a it's a very it's it's an awkward one I don't think it's difficult I just think it's just like it's almost like learning to walk or something you know I mean you're just sort of trying to figure out who you are and socializing without a lubricant is you know it's an adjustment so definitely have someone that you know that can sort of look out for you and help you like you know get through it or you know can make you feel okay if you need to leave the situation Mm. yeah have have a wingman or a wingwoman yeah yeah definitely relationships change since sobriety you know have you found because obviously you said when you started out, you were very much on your own. So yeah. um, have you maintained the friendships you had before? Have you found new connections within the sober community? Yeah. Do you know what? I really was worried that I was going to lose my friends, all my friends. Um, I think I've grown up thinking a lot of things define me as a person. And I felt like, I feel like, you know, we do live in a world where like people kind of, I guess define you like how many friends like growing up you think you need all the friends in the world kind of thing um but um my I I didn't actually lose any of my friends they've all been great um but I feel like I'm in a place that you know if people didn't respect it it's not the end of the world kind of thing it's so I haven't I haven't lost any of my friends at all um I think if anything it's kind of helped have that conversation with people um I think people have been more willing to be vulnerable around me because I've been vulnerable with them in terms of my mental health and my sobriety um and nobody's ever really been you know disrespectful about it I think in the initial stages I think you know there's the odd joke because people don't take you seriously because you know it's very early stages but um no I don't They've never really made me feel, you know, left out or, you know, don't invite Kate or anything because she's she's boring or whatever. Like, I've never had that kind of situation. Um, if anything, actually, they've been quite supportive because it's quite, I think they find it quite almost like a ballsy thing to sort of, because mm. it, it is essentially putting yourself out there a little bit because you're not following the crowd because mm. I've, I've always been that kind of person. Um, and for me to be like, hang on, no, I'm challenging something that's quite different in our society. I think people respect that. And if anything, it just sort of makes friendships stronger because, I don't know, it's, there's, there's that authenticity there. And mm. 
it, yeah, it just makes you stronger as as friends in some weird way. Um, I've definitely made more friends in on Instagram. Um, at the end of actually, I was saying at the end of my first year um, being sober, I think that's the hardest part is during Christmas mm. because especially in Britain, it's just booze booze central like any excuse have booze and all the gifts are booze and it's just in your face all the time and it just makes you more frustrated and towards the end of the year I was like even though my friends were completely supportive about it like my sobriety I just just watching everyone get drunk and not having anyone to spend any time with in the mornings and you know do something that wasn't surrounded by being in a pub all the time like that Mm. very conflicting for me because even though I was surrounded by all my wonderful friends who supported me, I felt so alone, like just because I had no one to relate to at all. Um, so I definitely, at that point, it was after, because I definitely looked for people when I first got sober and I couldn't find anyone. So obviously for the first year I did it on my own. And then when it got to Christmas, I gave it another go and I was like, right, I'm going to find someone. Someone <laughs> is going to be my friend. Whether they like it or not, I'm going to find you and we're going to be best friends. <laughs> so I went in and then I just sort of looked at hashtags um and yeah I just I think also I think I was so concerned about finding people my age and um even though obviously that is relatable when you find people of like you who's going through the same things as you and all that kind of stuff um it definitely taught me to sort of like broaden my mind a little bit because like I've met a lo- I've met loads of people that I don't think I would really initially be friends with because maybe they're just a bit older than me or from a different path. Well, or like us, <laughs> like you and uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but I think, do you know what I mean? Like I don't know how else we would have met. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, no, absolutely. And that's one of the things that feels so great about sobriety is that you yeah. get to have with the most amazing people that you would never have had contact with if mm. you didn't have this thing in in common. Yeah. And so when did you set up your Instagram? Uh, I set it up, I think, at 2016. I'm not sure if I would quit my drinking at that point. Um, let me see. I think it was, yeah, no, I had quit drinking at that point, I think. But what I wanted, uh, do you know what, what I wanted to do? I think the first year, I just wanted to have the first year to myself mm. because I just didn't know myself. I did do a few posts here and there, but I just wanted to do me for the for the first year because I didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know what I was doing. And I just, I think deep down, I knew I just really had no clue who I was at all. Like, I just, ne- I didn't, wouldn't even know my interest in anything because all I ever knew was just going out and partying. Mm. So I just wanted the first year to sort of, you know, get to know myself again, just experience life, just see what it was like being sober for a year and then just think about what I wanted to do afterwards. Because I never knew when I was, if I was going to carry it on after a year. I just, I just wanted to just see what happens really and not put any sort of pressure on what was going to happen after the first year. Um, but yeah, by the end of the first year, I was like, right, I'll, I'll crack on with this Instagram now because I feel like I've got some I needed experience to sort of talk about what I was trying to get across and everything so yeah so it's been two years now I think yeah about two years that's amazing well done 
Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, what, and what do you, over the time, what do you um, do to keep yourself well and happy? You know, how have, have your practices changed in sobriety? What kind of yeah, tools? Um, I think, I think it, it was a bit of a funny one, actually, because when I first got sober, I really thought I was invincible. So I just wanted to, I'd still go out. So I'd still go out with my mates until like five in the morning and then have a nap and then be like oh because I'm sober I can go to a class at 9 30 it's fine I'll go and do like a fitness class or whatever and then I'd be broken and I'll be like right I think like I'm you know it's great that I'm sober I can do all these <laughs> things but I'm not like superhuman like this is a bit ridiculous kind of thing um so I think I sort of came to terms with that like last year <laughs> so a whole year I was just like I'm invisible I could do anything and then I was like burning myself out massively um so I think actually recently I've sort of come to terms with the fact that you know stuff like sleep and routine are like very important to me not just from a sobriety point but I think also from a mental health perspective it's yeah it's just so important I think because I I had such a busy body kind of lifestyle being in London having like an office job and stuff and then going sober I, that's why I thought I was so invincible and it was so fast paced mm-hmm. but now I've sort of taken myself away from the office life and stuff and really stripped myself back it's almost being so like so for the first time again I've started to learn okay right what what do I need to do to look after myself like properly um so yeah I think it's like so simple what, things like drinking water and yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you know, what's in like your self-care toolkit yeah writing journaling oh my god I used to underestimate journaling so much and I literally do it every morning now it's like part of my routine first thing I want to do is just dump whatever's in my brain onto a bit of paper and then start my day mm. it's really interesting isn't it because that sort of definitely resonates with me around my second year of sobriety mm. and and it, I find it because I don't, you know, we talk about AA on here and like neither of us go to AA and we've, we're sort of bulked away from traditional recovery sort of models. But, yeah. And it's very much that that's the kind of received thinking in, in that programme, though, isn't it? That actually all the inner work tends to start happening in the second year. So it's like almost, you know, the boot camp yeah. of the first year. And it's like, OK like I say again game on right now now some of the inner work so it's interesting that there is something in that isn't that time frame it seems for people yeah the next layer of the onion isn't it that's what they say yeah on my first year I was like yeah right I've sussed life out I don't know why I think that like because it's obviously it's like it's like learning the secret of life or something (laughs) you go out thinking right I've nailed it. This is my life now. I'm amazing. Like nothing can hurt me. And mm. especially when you've done that for a year, it's almost like solid information that you think, right? Yeah, that's de- like you know, I'm good. I'm all good. Like nothing can hurt me now. And like, honestly, since like this year, the, this year in particular, oh my god, it has been rough. Like because it is that next layer. Mm. It's almost like you think you've seen everything about yourself, but there's just so much more. And it's not a case of like taking a couple of, you know, a year to sort of sort yourself out. It, it's an ongoing process. Mm. Well done for you, though, because, uh, well, both Kate and I went back to drinking after a year because we thought, woohoo, you know, we're done. But yeah. we're kind of, you know, 
committed to that next kind of layer mm. of, of work so you know thank goodness that you didn't and what you're two years and three months now so yeah that's, yeah that's wicked, mm. you know um yeah it's 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 a life project isn't it but oh massively yeah is uh I definitely feel like it it's not like uh the what is it the carpet being pulled under you or whatever the rug on you or whatever but yeah I didn't think I would be here in my like this is the third year of sobriety now so I don't I didn't think I would be here and that's not to say it's a bad thing I just thought that I think because I felt so invincible in my first year I just thought everything would have been easier mm. but actually you do still have to deal with life and you do make decisions and there are other things that you just have to you know get through without booze kind of thing yeah and sometimes life is tough isn't it, it and oh. it and it throws and and you have to learn how to deal with stuff like that I think that's for me as well I kind of assume like right I'm an adult so I know how to do life and then especially like and then okay and I've got all these coping strategies and then actually when I took well booze out of the equation it was like ah some of the even those coping strategies are not sort of sustainable almost or they don't fit that situation and actually they're not helping in that situation because I'm burnt out so I might be problem solving all over the place but I haven't got the rest part of it and it's like oh my god okay life boot camp (laughs) so but I think yeah I mean I think like people like that that do do find life challenging do you know what I mean I think I found life challenging from the moment I was born like I can remember (laughs) all from being a child and I come from a very happy home but I remember being a kid and feeling sad or alone or struggling or lost and that's never stopped you know what I mean I just numbed it out for a period of my life but your life is never gonna it comes back to that circles you know circles of life like you're never gonna stop in one period like it's there's always going to be challenges you know like we're getting older our parents will get older you know people get married our children will get older there's this like natural progression of life that we can't stop so it's normal do you know what I mean it's normal to to have to keep asking yourself questions and keep finding Mm. new strategies to be well and that's kind of part of the beauty of life because we only get one chance at it, right? So it's like yeah. we can just kind of numb it out. And we are those people that can't just sit and feel okay about stuff, you know, mm-hmm. with either not numbing it out with substances or finding it challenging but working hard at it. You know, that's just yeah. that's just the way it is, you know. But I kind of, yeah. What's so satisfying is when you get those kind of little jumps, you know, or those little light bulb moments. You're like, all right, I can do this. And this this works for me is so satisfying that it kind of makes all the hard stuff okay. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just like, all right, I've worked out that I need a woman's cave and I need sometimes just to like shut all the fuckers out and be on my own. But that's great because I know that now, you know. Yeah. And so, sorry, excuse the language. Is, is, that, you, is that your family that you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of those fuckers. <laughs> yeah, generally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, only the cat can stay. Uh, <laughs> no, but there is that sense of satisfaction because it's like you're not numbing out and you're not avoiding, you know, you're confronting things, but 
when you when you can solve a problem and you can move forward it's like right you know I'm winning at this life thing Mm. you know not just sustaining I mean it's sort of reasons to really kind of feel proud and acknowledge your progress isn't it and you know and your and your your meeting and your I don't know with the with the core values if your core values are there that okay I'm going to be present and I'm going to I know this is good for me, so I'm committed to my well-being and you're seeing things through. Then you have a, an authenticity and an integrity mm. to your your life and, and, and your daily routine. And that that's good. That's solid. That's like, OK, that's a big fat, like, I was going to say big fat arse. <laughs> to, to sit on but you know what I mean a big solid booty to kind of sit on every day yeah. rather than feeling like a tiny weed being blown about you know yeah. good solid roots yeah that's yeah. better yeah. I think we're all poets here really I really do the way we, the way we use language is just beautiful great choice of words yeah so well, what, um, what, what I've, I didn't you don't know uh, I'll call you uh, old, slightly older Kate, but what you didn't know about slightly younger Kate, uh, Kate, um, <laughs> is that she's a creative. Uh, she is an artist, photographer, aren't you? I know. <laughs> Thank you for the epic compliment. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I've done like, well, I've done it at A level and stuff, and I think I've just never gone back to it, and I'm been quite regretful of that to be honest like there's always been a creative streak in me but I've never had an outlet Mm. and I think I don't know being at school and then saying people saying how competitive it is getting into the art industry and that kind of stuff I just thought you know what I need to be a responsible adult and get a proper job kind of thing so I kind of like left that behind and I think that's why I sort of drew like you know I sort of warmed to Instagram as well like because it is in the form of creative outlet of like getting your point across and you know photography and everything like that um but yeah it's something that I definitely want to delve back into and it's something that we were talking about as well wasn't it like we wanted to everyone in sobriety it seems a common theme that everyone needs a creative outlet it's becoming a thing that Mm. people need in their lives and definitely it's just really interesting that I just think it's it's something as kids we do it. It's very natural yeah. to us. So I don't know at what point in the schooling system that we start shutting that down and saying, well, you can only really carry on with it if it's viable to be a job. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it's like so to re- recover that again. That you know those early hobbies, those early loves. Like I took up tap dancing last year because I, I used to do tap when I was up to when I was eight. I could still yeah. remember all my time steps. Like I could. It was all there. It was amazing. And you and know, doing tap dancing now? Can I do you, what? Are you doing now? Well, I'm doing musical theatre, so I, I, um, I'm, I do more of that because I absolutely love performing. So, But that was like, yeah, I, I really needed to do that silly, frivolous kind of get up, you know, a make-believe with a group yeah. of people just making an absolute tit of yourself. And it's just, I love it. So yeah. Yeah, so I, that's really interesting. What project? What What are you going to do with it? What What was your What are your little hopes then and with it and dreams? I don't know. Um, it's still something I'm still discovering. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I've I've explained it to a few people, but yeah, I've because I I think I've just to sort of be a, like just backtrack a little bit, but I quit I quit my job back in October, 
And I think it's been the most challenging thing I've ever done um, because I think having that nine to five has been such a security blanket for me and also such a definition of me for some weird reason that I didn't realise I did. Like, And I think a lot of other people do it as well. Like when you just get that sort of job that you're not entirely passionate about, but, you know, it pays the bills kind of thing. And I was just quite miserable in the end. And like, I was sober through the whole thing, really. No, I was, I was drinking at the beginning of that job. Um, and I quit drinking when I had that job. And then, so I was there for a year and I still was, you know, I put up, put up with it. And then I quit in October because I was, I was moving home and all that kind of stuff. So I had, I had like a sort of stable, you know, money situation there. Um, so, yeah, since then it's been quite a very challenging March. So it's been about five months, five, six months. And it's been quite, it's been very challenging. It's probably the most challenging year I've had in a long time, probably since I was drinking. Um, and it is a case of, I don't know what I want to do, really. I think, obviously, I think creatively, I think there's something in that for sure, because I think there's so much joy in being creative as well. It's not so much about numbers and, you know, trying to get anywhere. It's just, I think it's quite a very present thing to do. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I would like to do something definitely mental health based, but I'd say in a more creative, lighthearted way. I don't know, like something that can sort of, bring that kind of inner child out of you the, the you know the fun what you were just saying now about being silly and just having that moment of just not taking yourself seriously mm. fun um, yeah fun yeah. play playing yeah, and yeah I think the biggest thing that I was worried about especially being sober and it's a massive like you know classic thing that everyone's worried about is being boring mm. because when you're drinking you just you let go of everything and you ha you almost give yourself you do give yourself permission to be a child in some weird way because even though you're drinking, which is obviously not for children, you act like a child. Like you yeah. you get a bit silly. Mm, you just don't really take yourself mm. So yeah, I think I am very passionate about kind of reviving that as a person without the drink. Like you don't need to. That person is inside of you. That silly side is inside of you. I think we take ourselves so seriously as adults. And you kind of sort of lose sight of, you know, the joys of life and, you know, the little quirks and the silliness and, you know, the little colourful parts of the day because mm. we're just so worried about, you know, getting things done and, you know, being serious and making sure we've got all our bits, I don't know, just making sure we've got life done. So, and then we sort of forget to enjoy it. Mm. So I think it's, yeah, I definitely want to do something about mental health, but make it a bit more uplifting mm. and sort of you know in tap into people's like inner childs to sort of bring out that side of them in a creative way yeah, so yeah. do you know what I mean I am getting there there is something mm. that we've, I know we've talked about it before um but it's a hard one because part of me thinks it's something that hasn't been done mm. yet do you know what I mean yeah there's yeah. a u-shaped hole yeah, yeah, it <laughs> can happen, hmm. but I just don't know what it is yet. Do you know, um, you've just reminded me, though, of something. This was, like, the most confronting thing that I've done, even though I like performing. When I moved to London, I, it was in my 20s, actually, I went, I enrolled at the City Lit, and I did a clowning course. And it was... You? Yeah. <laughs> I totally <laughs> forgot about that. And it was, like, really, you had to really, like, embrace the kind of your ridiculous, the most ridiculous kind of ugly 
crazy side of yourself and um i found that very difficult i might, I might be more bit better at that now <laughs> yeah. you know, stuff like that kind of relieves anxiety because i think a lot of anxiety and depression is it's all this so it's kind of like social media you like we criticize ourselves so mm. much yeah. compare ourselves to all these really perfect images like why can't we just be human and just take you know just not take ourselves seriously for a minute and something like that could easily just mm. sort of like calm you down I think yeah I don't know yeah how did yeah, you find yeah. it how did I find it yeah what how did I did I like it you mean oh or... yeah how did you enjoy like did yeah. you enjoy it? um I did I found it very 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 confronting yeah <laughs> yeah because I was like oh I'm I because especially at that time in my life I think I was I mean this is going back 20 years but I I was like yeah, sort of very aware of, of how I was presenting, I suppose. Mm. And, uh, you know, and and trying to look good, you know. So yeah. so to be a, you know, but then obviously drinking heavily, binge yeah. drinking and then actually becoming a, a right old drunken fool in many occasions, but actually sober and doing it. it, it like you said, there's something about, and this historically is quite interesting, I think, and probably in mental health, that embracing the dark side and the ridiculous and the whole, you know, yeah. in European culture, you have the whole, the aspect of the clown and it, and it runs through, you know, Shakespeare and, you know, do you know what I mean? It's, it's mm. deep in our psyche, actually. So, mm. um, sorry, you just sparked something off of me that I'm going to be <laughs> yeah. thinking about now. <laughs> yeah. But um, listen, no, we, but I, love, um, I love that. I love that kind of, I love, I can, I can see that, um, I can see that working. I can see that being useful. Definitely. Um, definitely. To, you know, this, this world of, I mean, I was so serious when I was drinking, you know, yeah. I was, I really like everything with my kids, you know, everything was just so stressful. It was just like, no, we can't do that. Come on, you know, get your shoes on. We've got to do this and, rules yeah. and sit at the mm. table and, uh, you know, and like, I, I, I definitely like, you know, my kids to be well behaved and be polite, but I'm God, I can laugh at myself now, you know, and it's yeah. nicer to just be, you know, and, and not always to be right or to be this power battle all the time. And sometimes just be like, and, and to show that you're, you're fallible and that you have weakness and, you know, some, they'll be like, no, we didn't. I'll be like, yes, you did. And they'll be like, no, we didn't. I'll be like, oh, right, sorry. <laughs> Whereas before I'd be like so, because I was trying to control everything so yeah. much all the time. I was trying to keep control of my mental health and, you know, and um, and everything felt like it was falling apart. So everything had to be held tight. Yeah. And when you're holding on tight, it means that you're super stressed mm. and have no patience. And now I'm so much better at just being more fluid and just being like, oh, right, okay, you know. yeah let's just get up an hour early earlier so everyone is not shouting mm. at each other because we're trying to get out the door you know let's yeah. take that time to have breakfast and and I am gonna ask them like 16 times to put their shoes on but that's all right you know because we've yeah. got an hour so yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> we're still late it's never yeah. gonna change <laughs> what's your um what's your what's your reason to love sober today um to love sober today um 
is it basically why do I love being sober yeah we always end because we're coming to we're coming to the end of it now so we always end with a tip of the day and a reason to love sober so maybe give us your tip first if you've got that um my tip I've learned kind of like the hard way um is it's typical but it's to be present it's just to enjoy today and don't worry about the future I think it's easier said than done and I've been worrying about the future for most of my life Mm. but I think I've really sort of learned that you know you can't control everything and that's okay and there are things that you can do to move forward but you should just enjoy today like I never used to find the beauty in life really I used to just feel like the world owed me more and you know I, I needed you know, more and more and more. Mm. And, you know, this morning I went for a really lovely walk in the sunshine with my boyfriend and just went for a coffee and it's, you know, it was really nice. Like, it was just... Simple pleasures. It is, it really is. Like, we don't need to... This whole idea, especially with social media, is that we need more and we need drama and we need, you know, exciting things constantly. Um, we'll never be satisfied if that if that is the way we're going to go we're never going to be satisfied I, I'm all for progress I'm 100% for progress but we're just never going to be satisfied so I just think finding like you know the joys in the ordinary and you know except you know appreciating life for what it is like I think that's really important and it's, it's you know like the whole financial aspect of it as well like you just live simpler and calmer mm. and you just accept life not is not always going to be exciting and that's okay because that is part of life it's not life is not meant to excite you every minute of the day <laughs> yeah that's what I mean it's just yeah life is life just, that's like the Chinese what? curse is the Chinese curse is may you live in interesting times so it's actually seen as a negative because ah. of all the kind of yeah chaos and drama that come with interesting times so yeah, yeah. For ancient China that was like no no thanks we just want a bit of calm yeah there's no I think this whole boring aspect of life Mm. people are so fearful of and it's not boring it's just having peace and clarity yeah in the everyday and that's okay we don't I don't feel I feel like especially my generation we just really expect a lot from the world like I just remember being hung over and just being like why is it you know why am I why have I not got this this person on Instagram this person you know, is famous for this and this and they've got loads of money and why have I haven't got it kind of thing. Mm. And it's just like, it's just quite a poisoning sort of way to live, I think. So I think definitely the best thing is to just be present and just, you know, be thankful for what you do have now. Like, I think a lot of people in my situation would think, you know, oh, maybe she lives at home or she doesn't have her own place and all this kind of stuff. And I used to beat myself up about that. But I'm lucky enough to you know, my parents look after me and, you know, that's really lucky. I live in London. That's really lucky. Mm. I think, you know, just accept him, you know, just take a step back and just be thankful for what you do have. Mm. I think it's really important. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful, Kate. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and what's your reason to love sober? Um, my reason to love sober is I feel part of this world now, which is quite cheesy and a bit, what is it from? part of your world is it from like the little mermaid or something yeah i just i remember being this countless times i'd be hung over in bed and just be looking outside the window and just being like i'm not part of this world at all like i'm just in a dive and 
I'm just stuck in my head and I'm never going to get out. I'm literally like in my own mental jail and it's, it's devastating and it's almost like I don't belong here. And that is such a slippery slope for depression, I think, because once you feel like you're, you don't feel part of, part of the world that we are in or part of society, it makes you feel like, well, what, what's the point of me being here? And that can, you know, get you into a really, really dark place. And I've been there so many times and it's not, it's just, you know, everyone deserves to be here, you know, like it's it just, I just think people need to be kinder to each other, obviously. And I think we all know that we all need to be a bit kinder and our world is so fast paced that we just need to take, you know, take a breather and acknowledge everyone around us and, you know, just check in with everyone, even mm. the people you think don't need checking in on. Um, and I think that's what sobriety has like, really taught me is that, you know, I do belong here, you know, I, I have a place here and, you know, I've got, everyone has a purpose here. And I think with drinking, it can really destroy the way you think about yourself and the way you see other people and the way the world works. Cause I honestly felt like the world owed me something mm. and um, that I wasn't allowed to be part. Uh, yeah. I just mm. wasn't allowed to be here. You've actually made me cry now. I've got a tear going on. Oh. It has. As I really, yeah. I, I relate to that. I relate to to feeling part of it now. I'm yeah. joining, joining it, whatever it is. I really, that really is, yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. Like everyone deserves to be here. Yeah, right. I really do. And I just, yeah, I just, oh, just tapping into <sighs> how I felt and, I just felt worthless drinking, you know, and sobriety is really like, I mean, I've got a long way to go with confidence and, you know, self-empowerment and I do have a long way to go, but God, I'm so thankful that I'm sober. Like, I'm so mm. thankful because I think it's, I don't know, I, I think, again, it's a, our generation at the moment. There's too much pressure on us, like, to be perfect in a place where, most of us can't really afford housing. We can't really adult at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Like we can't, mm. a lot of us are still living at home. And, you know, again, I am thankful for that. But, you know, I'd love to own my own place and, you know, have my career or whatever it is. But I don't know, I'm just waffling now. But do you know what I mean? Mm. I think there is, a lot of, there is a lot of pressure there and it's very easy to get lost, I think. Mm. Yeah, everyone is def I feel like we just need to remember that everyone is welcome at the table mm. and yeah. I think that's so sobriety has definitely taught me that's beautiful that's so beautiful <laughs> yeah. oh, um, we really need to wrap it up now don't we because we're, yeah. um, we're getting close to an hour so um, thank you so much Kate it's yeah. been so lovely to speak to you and I'm really grateful you know thank you Mandy for sort of being such a good putter together of people and I've got you know uh, the opportunity to talk to you and to know you and have really nice pudding with you <laughs> and pudding again please let's have pudding again <laughs> so um so we'll, we'll say goodbye now um so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking um please do reach out there's lots of places um on the internet now sober communities on facebook and there's you know there's the she recovers community so baristas club soda um you can reach out to us at love sober too and you know maybe go see your gp um and alcohol 
concern is a good place to find agencies of local support so just yeah like Kate said you know everyone she's put it so beautifully everyone well welcome at the table and you Mm -hmm. know if you're feeling shit then reach out get support make yourself heard you know because there is hope you know so so we'll yeah see you next week for more chat and stay safe everyone bye bye